0: this episode, we'll be discussing events and scenes from the first season of the hit show, The Bear, so spoiler warning. However, this show is over a year old, so that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to an episode of Oh No, Not Another One, with your hosts, Sarah and Derek.
1: Hi, guys. Hi, Derek.
0: Hello, Sarah. And hello, guys. And girls. I'm not going to discriminate. We're
1: all here. <laughs> Perfect. So the bear, what a great show, right?
0: Oh my God. This show is like perfection when it comes to like everything in the service industry centered around kitchens and restaurants. It is perfection.
1: So like, let's start off immediately. Like the first episode almost made me not want to watch the rest of the season because i have worked in a restaurant and the stress level of the kitchen and just season or the episode one itself had me flipping my shit like (laughs) (laughs) like (laughs) the amount of back and forth between the line cooks was just mind-blowing like so you have actually worked on the kitchen line and so you kind of know like that type of stress level um i've only seen it secondhand so I can't really, <laughs> but yeah, I, w- I was super stressed out. Like why, <laughs> what the fuck is going on?
0: <laughs> oh no, that's just a very real and natural aspect of working in a kitchen. Like, again, it was similar for me when I started watching the first episode. Like, granted, I was still working in a kitchen at the time when that show came out and I'm getting like, now flashbacks. just like, I see it all over again, boss. Don't send me back. <laughs> but no, people do not comprehend on a basic level just how chaotic, stressful and demanding working on a kitchen line is like, sure, there's different type of stressors for all different types of work. Like if you're working purely service industry, where you have to deal with customers like retail, that has its own type of stress. If you're doing your uh, blue collar like construction work jobs or outdoor style jobs they have their own stress but the type of stress you deal in a kitchen is unimaginable because you're always on the clock for every single order and it does not stop until you clock out like it is a constant grind of holy fuck i can murder people (laughs) (laughs)
1: So interesting so when i worked at ihop i remember like i actually got in good with the line cooks because i i was like i see that level of stress and it 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 was just one of those things where like yeah i need these guys on my side so it got to the point where um they liked me so much that i would like they would make me whatever the fuck i wanted which is kind of nice i'm like yeah yeah make me a giant pancake a chocolate chip pancake I want that right now (laughs) and they were like yeah we got you we got you we got you so um but yeah like I I knew that there were certain waitresses that they didn't get along with and I kind of felt that tension I I, yeah it's just like oh shit yeah you don't want to piss these guys off if they walk off we're fucked
0: no that's a very real thing uh again I've worked in three different like restaurants and all three of these were like different i'll guess i would say tiers or atmospheres of kitchen levels and it is very common that we will have our favorites like waitresses and hostesses like we love these people we will protect these angels and darlings with our lives and then we have the others that's like you're a piece of shit. all you do is give us um modified dishes you always make outrageous demands you always put the fall on us for your mistakes we don't like you, so your tips will suffer because you piss us off. Where's you? Oh, you beautiful angel. Oh, <laughs> you forgot to put this order and you need a rush in five minutes. Oh, it's OK. It's OK. You know what? Mistakes happen. We got you. We got you. You would you like some mozzarella sticks while you're waiting and everything. I got you, girl. You're good. You're good. Hey, awesome. hey, you over there. Put in another modified order. <laughs> Fuck off. All right. Don't have time for your shit. No, no, I'm not yelling at you, hon. We're good. We're good. You are awesome. <laughs>
1: Hands, hands. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I like that. Yeah, I mean, because it it is a hard job. It's a tough job. Um, And we see that immediately from the jump with Carmen trying to, so backstory, his brother Michael passes away, uh, suicide. And um, so he is left with this restaurant to deal with. The beef restaurant, and it's it's very stressful on Carmen. And I know one of my one of my main questions with season one was like, you know, why does Carmen feel the need to keep this restaurant open? Like he was like this fine dining chef, and uh, like there's a quote from Richie in episode two where he's like, "Oh, he was one of Food and Wine's best new chefs." Is that what you just told me? Like that changes everything. Like we can we will delve into Richie's character in a bit, but eventually <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's food and wine's best new dickhead. Awesome. Like, you know, like <laughs> Richie is his own character, you know. But yeah, like why why would Carmen leave such a prestigious role where he has like a James Beard award and he's taking over this like hole in the wall almost chicago restaurant for his brother why do you think that like why would you think that he would like such a fine chef would do something like that i mean it it, does it rely on like his loyalty to his family or
0: i think that is entirely it and again this is brought up in a later episode in season one where they're actually showing Um, Like a sit down scene where it's Carmi, it's Michael, it's Richie, and it's um, Michael and Carmi's sister, Sugar, all sitting there just having a meal and talking to one another. And Carmi and Michael did have a very close relationship to each other. Like Michael was a big old, he was the older brother and he was not the inspiration for Carmi's love for cooking or at least his desire to cook, but he was definitely a part of that foundation. And the fact that the, um, it, the Chicago beef restaurant was a family, like it was a family business. It was something that their father had, and it's been passed down from generation to generation. And Michael took over that so that Carmi then could go to culinary school and learn all the tricks of the trade and become this prestigious chef. So I think it was a little bit that, hey, this is a family thing, and if I don't take over it, Something that has been in the family for as long as it has is just dead. So he because takes that burden Harry, upon himself. It's
1: not, this wasn't Michael's creation, right? This actually, and I, I it gets a little lost for me. Um, this was like a family owned restaurant before yes. Michael even, right? Yeah.
0: And we'll discuss uh, like this aspect more in our next discussion about season two, because that's where they okay. dive into right. a lot more in the episode fish. Um, yes. But yeah, I mean, Chicago Beef was a family restaurant. I think this was like a third generation. Like their grandfather, I believe, established this. And they're just the third generation running it now. Um, But yeah, so I mean, having a family business can be a very powerful um, incentive and motivator to up and move your current path in life to try to keep something going and afloat. So I think that's like 80% of it. Um, I think another small part is, um, and again, I think we see, yeah, we do see beats, bits and pieces of this during some flashback scenes for Carmi when he's at the like prestigious restaurants and he's handling his own while he's getting berated as hell by like the head chef.
1: Oh, I think
0: yeah. Carmi wanted to be in a position of actual control for a change. He didn't want to be like a sous chef. He wanted to own something. He wanted to be the one in charge. And this was an opportunity to
1: do so. Right. This is his chance to do that. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for that insight. Yeah. I mean, it it does become clear eventually that this is a this means a lot to their family. Um, But then with that being said, like, uh, Uncle Jimmy, and Uncle Jimmy, who has invested 300k already in this fucking restaurant and uh sugar his sister they are very willing to sell this restaurant where carmen and maybe it's because Carmi is very invested into this type of lifestyle where he wants to keep it open but they're like ready to fucking sell it like let's just sell this shit as is be done with it clean our hands of it
0: I mean i think from you can look at this from three different perspectives so like for uncle jimmy being like the primary investor as of late again dumping over 300 grand which if you think about it in chicago terms that's not really an absurd amount of money
1: right it's true but
0: to a lot of other people's like man three that's like that could almost be a house a in bitch. some areas <laughs> um but for him it's like hey this investment i have not been paid back on it yet let's sell it so i can get some of my money back and we can move on with mm-hmm. this uh, for sugar, it was more, I think for her, it was more of a personal sort of things like, Hey, this has been the family for years, but Michael or my brother killed himself likely from the stress of this job. Carmi who is now running this thing is like stressed out of his mind and she might want the restaurant to end for the self-preservation of what family she still has. Whereas Carmi, he wants to keep the restaurant going because this is all he knows
1: right
0: um and also you can look at it from a fourth aspect and this is something completely out of control of these three characters but this show does take place um following the 2020 pandemic of covid and how oh, right. a number of restaurants right. during that time got shut down because of all the different uh medical regulations where dining is not possible take out only you had very limited yeah. seating because you had to have the six foot rule so many restaurants crumbled during that time and it could be a matter of hey this business right here could easily crumble the same way why not sell it while there's still something worth selling rather than it just foreclosing and we get nothing out of it
1: that's an excellent point yeah i even think about that but yeah that 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 is a good point um i know a lot of restaurants around here close in cincinnati and it, it was just heartbreaking you know to see that And so, yeah, that's a factor too, which, I mean, uh, Sydney, so our new new hire, Sydney, (laughs) comes onto the scene and, you know, she has her own ideas of how this restaurant should be run. Um, She creates an entire nerd binder (laughs) for Carmen to look at. And, you know, you could already tell, like, he's already thinking about the the financial aspects of this, he's thinking about, fuck, what am I going to do? But then Sydney comes onto the scene and she just kind of fucks everything up. Where like a lot of people, Tina doesn't like her immediately from the jump, Richie and her butt heads constantly. And she is just trying to, she is one of those chefs who is basically just focused on cooking. Like she wants to make this the best restaurant possible. So she gives Carmen this binder of ideas to better the restaurant. Eventually in season one, he reads it. He looks through it. And I think he's kind of intrigued with Sydney. I think I think he likes where she's going because he might remind him of her. Like he, they they kind of are similar in that aspect of being a chef. And you know going through because sydney had actual culinary experience right she yes. just got out of yeah she just got out of culinary school so yeah like i don't know what your thoughts are on that like with sydney coming onto the scene newbie <laughs> but is <laughs> she new because she kind of knows what the fuck she's doing
0: so i think we're going to be um Oh, so as you said right there, Sydney is actually uh, class, is actually trained, culinary school, fresh out. So she, as you said distinctly, she is a chef, which is also what Carmi is. He is a chef. These are people that um, know all the techniques. They know all the terminology. They know how to do flavor profiling and everything in the science of preparing food. And that's what makes them chefs, whereas everyone else within the Chicago Beef, were cooks. They are people that know how to make food, how to follow a recipe, and they were cooks. And when you have Sydney coming in with her dreams of grandeur. (laughs) And again, she's looking at Carmi because again, from the very beginning, she is admiring Carmi. She knows who the hell he is. She knows of his past accomplishments. And that's why she feels I guess so comfortable coming forward, like, hey, why don't we do this and this and this? I mean, you've done this tourist of stuff before. It should be an, a smooth enough transition because you're familiar with it. But Carly's looking at it from the perspective of a business owner now that is great in debt, going like, girl, I had to sell <laughs> a bunch of my jeans just to <laughs> afford beef <laughs> for today. You think I can afford these lasting changes? There's a time and a place. This is neither. <laughs>
1: so derek you bring up an interesting point that um chef versus cook so yes i see your point on that but then carmen comes in and immediately starts calling everyone chef so it's like he wants that respect right is that how you would see that like he he wants them to realize their potential in a way Like Tina even laughs at him like, ha, chef, (laughs) like, what are you, what are you doing?
0: (laughs) I mean, again, that is kind of a, uh, a cultural sort of thing within, uh, your, I guess your higher tier kitchens where everyone is chef. Your responses are short, it's succinct, like heard chef. Yes, chef. Yes. Communication is small. You only say what needs to be said, but chef is always emphasize as a sign of respect of your status it doesn't matter if whether you're the sous chef or if you're just doing like you're literally doing nothing but chopping lettuce for the produce and salads you're a chef your job is important because if any cog within this entire clockwork starts to fail the whole thing jams up yeah so regardless of your position you're a chef and you are necessary for this to run smoothly
1: i like that i like that a lot Okay.
0: And I think this was in season one. Yeah, when they were doing the flashback, I already mentioned this between Carmi, Richie, Michael and Sugar, where Michael is just, he's making food. And I think this is probably the biggest distinction between a cook and a chef because um, Carmi's older brother, Michael, the one who formerly owned the restaurant, he was a cook. A cook is someone that Mm -hmm. loves to make food. For them, it's more of a passion than an obsession chefs okay. i believe have an obsession that they kind of parade as a passion and a love for making food but really they need to do it there is not That's much love behind it anymore whereas cooks hey is this meal gonna look absolutely great am i precise with the measurements of the spices now i i measure with my heart i i sprinkle the, the salt and the garlic on it until my ancestors tell me that's enough. <laughs> Cooks, I love will make that. meals that will taste phenomenal. But presentation wise, you know, it might look like slop, but the second it hits your mouth mm, and jelly choirs will sting. <laughs> whereas a chef will make a presentation where you're like, man, that's some Bob Ross shit on that plate. Right? there. That's amazing.
1: <laughs> love it. Yeah. And we see that when like, so Carmen is in his element in New York and he has this chef like just talking in his ear like just basically shit talking him the entire fucking time like I mean I mean it's, it's just kind of wild because Carmen he is responding to this chef but he is more focused on his plating and what's going on in front of him, he's like, yes, chef, I'm a piece of shit, chef. Yes, chef. Like, he's just like, but his focus on his plating is like, really, I'm like, that's pretty impressive. Like, he just doesn't give a shit. Like, he's just like, all right, yeah, no, I, I don't care what you have to say to me. I'll respond to you. But this is my job. Like, this is what I'm going to do. So.
0: Uh, when it comes to, again, not always to that level, but the amount of shit talking and <laughs> belittling and insulting that takes place within a kitchen. And this is for both top tier and your freaking like dive bar kitchen, where it's like two people working together. It is actually a way of kind of dispersing stress, it is not unheard of. If anything, it's almost encouraged amongst the the culture of kitchens, that I'm going to insult you and talk shit to you the entire shift during a rush, because it's either that or screaming at the customers. One of these gets me fired. The other one does not. (laughs) And I've had this experience in every single restaurant job I've had, not just from my point, but from everyone else where, again, it's just a lot of berating, insulting each other, calling each other bad nicknames. And the second the shift is over, we all go for our shift drinks at the bar and we're just yucking it up, having a good time being like, man, today was pretty nuts. Yeah. Good thing I kept my cool.
1: (laughs) but did you that
0: yeah I mean, right. did you die i kept my cool
1: yeah, right that's great so yeah um do you want to talk about richie a little bit so and oh, we'll get more into- a
0: whole episode of richie
1: <laughs> right so richie all right we'll get into richie season two later because that's mm-hmm. where it kind of really his character really comes full term but this is the type of character where you want to fucking hate him. <laughs> I mean, he is just a downright dick. I mean, from the start. I mean, they even have a health inspector come in and he's just a dick to everyone and he doesn't he doesn't seem to respect Carmen. Um he's yelling at Sydney all the time, you know, but then we see I remember re rewatching this for this episode in particular, and he, you kind of see a softer side when he's talking to his daughter. You see a little softer side of Richie, and I kind of appreciated that because that's a little foreshadowing, I feel, for what we're going to talk about in our next episode. Um, but yeah, he, he, he is definitely an asshole (laughs) like I don't know so one of my thoughts was like is this something like because so Michael so they call him cousin cousin Richie cousin but Michael and Richie are actually best friends they were best friends so with the loss of Michael and now Carmen's on the scene do you think richie feels displaced like maybe i should have run this shit, but now carmen's stepping in even though i respect and love carmen and i love their family like why wasn't it me like he, he just seems very bitter you know what i mean he just seems very fucking bitter
0: i mean this was an argument that was brought up i think right before the health inspector actually showed up and i think that was like episode three yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're going back and forth. And Carmi goes, if Michael, if Michael trusts you this much, why didn't he leave the restaurant to you?
1: Oh, and yes. my,
0: and Richie was just he was pissed, but he didn't have a good answer. Cause yeah, he had been working at Chicago beef. He understood the culture. Don't fuck up our atmosphere. Yep. And he was a part of that machine and COG. And while Richie is a dick in a lot of interactions, he does have such a powerful skill and it's shown when he's like trying to de-escalate situations whether it's with the uh the uh, Chicago Italian mobsters outside the <laughs> restaurant.
1: Yep. I mean, he
0: knows how to properly de-escalate or escalate situations. And yes. this is where you do need an asshole to handle these circumstances because they are stubborn and hard enough to appro- approach them appropriately, but he is fairly good with customers. He's a, he's a, he's the social butterfly. But the second Carmi comes in and takes the role that he felt should have been his, because he was the one that was there with Michael, he was Michael's best friend. He's been working that job. Carmi was off being all bougie with the fine restaurants. And oh, here's your $60 basket of um, we know it's peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Don't call it whatever you fuck you're calling it. But Carmi comes in, and at first, Carmi is trying to adapt to this change as well as he can. But I think it's more the um, introduction of Sydney that really fucked with Richie. Because Sydney oh, shows yeah. up and she's like, hey, we should start doing this and this. And that's when Carmi starts doing those little slight shifts. Everyone calling each other chef, trying to work on, hey, this is your station, this is what you need to be working yeah. on specifically. Before that, I think Carmi was just in survival mode with everyone else, so no actual change was being enforced. But the second Sydney shows up, it starts communicating with um Carmi at like chef level. This is where Richie really s- switches into pure asshole mode, and especially towards Sydney because I think Richie feels he can handle Carmi cuz he's known him his whole life, but this new bitch, who the hell are you to fuck with my s- shit?
1: Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that comes into play when, like, Richie and Sydney. I think it was like episode one, even that, like, they're they're sitting there going back and forth about where they went to school, and he says something offhand. I can't remember even what it is. Like, well, I know how to blah blah blah, and she was like, Why would I even need to know that? Like, I don't need to know that. Like, it's, <laughs> so she, she's like, All right, like, I get it you think you have a bunch of skills that can translate into this business, but you know, I actually have a vision for this. And like later we see Sydney when she goes home, she's still in chef mode, Mm -hmm.
0: like Carmen,
1: like she's still in that mode. So she's like making notes at like 2 AM on. So it's like really impressive, honestly. Like I, I get kind of like that sometimes with certain things. It's like, so she's like making notes over like, uh, different, even from different meals to make to how she's going to better the beef restaurant. And it's impressive. She's really impressive character.
0: (sighs) Yeah, Sydney, I like her a lot because I I, want to put her as she's the. Ooh, this is actually a good idea. She's the recently graduated, still aspiring idealistic innocent person like oh, the world is my oyster i have saw all this potential i have i know what i want to do and i'm going out into the real world and oh no the real world is shit. oh no this is actually really <laughs> difficult because she yeah. is coming in with all this positive energy and aspirations and trying to especially talk to Carmi like hey we can start doing this and this and this and this and carmy's like that's not how this can work right now like you have a lot of great plans i will we will talk about this when it's Okay, to talk about for right now, I just had to sell thirty pairs of jeans. (laughs) I don't give a shit about this right now. Yeah, I
1: was like, "What is he doing? Oh my god, he's selling clothes!" (laughs) Like, yeah, Jesus, like he only got what the twenty pounds that he needed, and he needed like I don't even know how much he needed, but
0: I think it was was supposed to be like two hundred.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) It's just like, oh shit. He's just like, all right, it's a make it work moment.
0: And in season one, like you see the first moment where one of Sydney's aspirations when they finally started doing online ordering and they have that little uh, automated printer there to take on the orders. But as Carmi was feared, it's like, all right, as we try to implement new things, we need to make sure we double check every aspect of it. Any kind of oversight can completely mess our entire business. And the second that thing was turned on, they never turned, had the thing off to take in orders prior to opening. So now they had like 70 to-go orders <laughs> needing to be made within the tw- next 20 minutes while taking in their usual business. Right. And this is where everything is going to shit. Carmi now is into full, we have to do this as quickly as possible, and blah, blah, blah. And Sydney is freaking out. And then Carmi just blows up on her going, get the fuck off my line. <laughs> Yeah,
1: his his level of uh, stress kill. Like, there's certain moments where I wish he would have just spoke up. Like when he's trying to like get all his line cooks in order. Like, let's get together, let's talk this through. And like Richie's in the corner, like telling a fucking story about something. And he was like, "All right, let's go. Like let let like let's listen to me, please." And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, just one minute." And Carmen's like looking at the time. Like we don't have time for your fucking story. And then like there's another scene where and it kind of kills me because i feel this sometimes where like they have like music playing and the cd starts to skip and carmen this is the one time where like the first time you see carmen flip his shit, he's just like fix the sound he was like fix it fix this shit now like he just flips his shit like it's just like so like he has his moments where he just like flips out over the smallest shit but in the kitchen he's like all right i'll be patient with you like tell your fucking story i'll wait you know but you can tell like it's just kind of burning in him like oh god
0: Uh, yeah the the situation where the music starts skipping and everything (laughs) Again, this is like an annoying tick that's just constantly going in the background. I think it's because he loses his shit at that because that is an aspect that is easily controllable. Whereas trying to deal with all the other cooks or chefs, as he's trying to call them and try to get them to um, huddle around him and listen to his lead, I think he is... Grounded enough to understand, like, this is going to be a transition for everyone. So, he's trying to give them a little bit of grace and patience in this regard. So, that's why he's not flipping his shit out during these moments. That
1: makes sense.
0: But when it comes to a music skipping, it's like, am I the only one fucking hearing this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It got me. It got me.
0: Uh, but even the rest of the uh, cast within uh, the Chicago Beef, I mean, they all fit all these different molds of people that you will encounter within your kitchen uh, experience. We already talked about Richie, who's kind of the asshole yeah. slash social butterfly. Yeah, uh, do, Sydney, do you think this is the- pretty...
1: Um, hmm? Do you think, and you're probably about to talk about this, but like the, the characters, do they fit, They do they match with like actual line cooks? Like, are are, are they like... Genius I mean, they do match with get... line cooks, but yeah, these yeah. are just
0: kind of like just people in general. Because again, okay. line cooks, I mean, we're all just individuals with our own quirks and characteristics. Yeah. But when you're working in a kitchen, you tend to attract certain ones more often than not. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, Richie, he's a social butterfly. He's the person like today's modern age. He'd be the guy with the Bluetooth stuff in his ear all the time And while he's working. He might be taking phone calls and be just chatting away while working on food. Like for him, interacting with people is more important or he puts more effort and energy into the actual task at hand. Uh, Sydney is the again, the aspiring, oh, things can be done better a person that's always looking at the future. How can we make take what we're doing now and improve upon it? Disregarding, are we in a position to actually implement this? Carmi, the stress as fuck head chef, that's just fucking everywhere. <laughs> Every head chef is stressed out of their goddamn mind. I would n- never want to take that position. Um, As you mentioned before, like Tina, who is someone else that was messing with Sydney when she first started joining in, Tina is very much like the old guard. She is a, um, she is very uh, stalwart when it comes to how things have been running, how things have been done. Do not change how things are working because maybe I can't adapt to the change. Change is scary to me.
1: Yes, right.
0: And she fucks with Sydney just for the sake of just ego and pride. But when Sydney like shows up, in season one and like helps tina out when tina makes a mistake tina's like okay maybe i need to not be so immature
1: <laughs> right yeah i remember tina's face she's like oh you're not trying to fuck me over like i'm trying to fuck you over okay <laughs> all right um, you get a little respect for me too
0: <laughs> um there's marcus who is a character that oh, i grew marcus. to love really fast oh yeah
1: him.
0: he's kind of like sydney where he's like, again, kind of a dreamer, but he's more of the distracted type of person. He's the when you're working in a kitchen and whatnot, where you have like, hey, we have this going on, we have this going on, they're the ones in La La Land thinking about something else. And for Marcus, his um, focus was into pastries, which he started reading all these different recipes and works from Carmi's note binder. And he's like, damn, this sounds kind of cool. Oh, yeah, he finds
1: Carmen's uh, Moa binder. Yeah, that's right. And he sees the James Beard Award and yeah, he's like, oh, shit, like,
0: (laughs) yeah, because originally Marcus's job was just making the damn bread for the sandwiches. That's all it was. And the occasional like cake dessert. But he's like, hey, can I actually try to make these donuts? Can I try making all this other stuff? And he's actually he's he's intrigued. One, he has like a deep-seated respect for Carmi Again, seeing all this stuff he can do is like, no, our our boss is actually very legit. And I'm kind of curious if I can try to do this as well. And <laughs> while that is amazing to try to do during like slow times or off hours, <laughs> when he's especially in the one episode where oh, the to-go order machine is fucking everything up. And he's still over there fucking around with donuts. And Carm like, are you fucking serious right now? I don't have time for your damn donuts. I need my bread.
1: <laughs> I love Marcus though. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's great. It's like, He really wants to do better. He wa- he wants to learn a lot more. Um, and we'll talk about him a lot more in season two. But yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate Marcus's drive like he has that drive still so yeah um good guy good guy there
0: oh very good guy and like the last kind of and this isn't always but it's i've seen it often enough and i think it counts as well but the character Fock, feck however you say it the handyman oh (laughs) who is also like a, a a childhood friend of both uh richie Carmi and michael um It is not uncommon for restaurants to have their handyman, uh, someone that they know on a personal level. Like, hey, they know how to do all this low-level basic maintenance stuff. And they're paid in favors. They're paid in meals. And a lot of times, also, they're kind of the butt of everyone's jokes. Like, they get burned and roasted a lot. Like, Richie roasts back all the damn time. And I've seen this in my previous um, experiences in restaurants where, yeah, we'll have a handyman that... Yeah, sure. They know enough about what they're doing, so it's a lot cheaper and more affordable to have them fix stuff than maybe hire an actual professional, but <laughs> we will be roasting them the whole time.
1: Yeah, his character cracks me up. He just doesn't really give a shit, but then, like, Carmen would yell at him. He's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> Back to work. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. And actually going off of that, uh, very briefly. So we were talking about this earlier, how this show is taken place post pandemic, where a lot of restaurants have closed down, Um, how uh, Uncle Jimmy had loaned all this money out, but hadn't gotten any money back. And we see this coming out in one, uh, playing out in one of the episodes of season one, where they're doing like a, a party event for Uncle Jimmy. <laughs> yeah.
1: And they're not being paid for it. But it's basically like, hey, right.
0: we're gonna subtract what you owe on this event. Which honestly, that works well. Yes,
1: episode he made the ecto cooler, right? He made the, uh,
0: Yep. And he <laughs> drugged the hell out of all those children. <laughs> and they're all just sleeping on the grass, out cold. And Uncle Jimmy's like, are they dead? Nah." I I think they're just sleeping <laughs> all right i like this
1: they just I'm like quiet. shrug it off because at first i'm like oh fuck do they need to call a paramedic then, like they're just like Neh. it's just it's fine
0: no it's quiet this is great
1: <laughs> yeah that episode killed me i fucking loved it yeah it's just like eh, this is fine they're they're sleeping <laughs> just take a little snooze mm-hmm. was it xanax they like dumped xanax in there or some
0: shit yeah Yeah, a lot of xanax (laughs) accidentally got into the ecto cooler so all those kids were just zonked out (laughs) but i mean that is something that a lot of restaurants will deal with where they will do events or they will pay um services with favors or food rather than actual culinary like money exchange because a lot of restaurants unless you're extremely well off. Most restaurants, even with a consistent customer base, are just riding that fine line above. If we have one bad month, we could be done.
1: Yeah. That's our why... of, of, of reality of restaurant businesses. Mm-hmm. I mean, they say you could be you know, you're lucky to be open for five years. But a lot of times it's like one or two years.
0: I mean, the opening six months are critical for restaurants because yeah. sure, when it comes to the opening week or weekend of restaurants, sure, if you have decent promotion and you're doing something that's kind of diverse or new, or if you're doing something very well, you will garner attention and um, get a lot of people showing up. So a lot of your opening week numbers for your profits and your sales will be very misleading. It's the consistency a lot of restaurants will lack because... Let's say for example you're um opening an entire Cajun style restaurant which could be completely different and new for your area. You know what that could be fantastic and that might garner in a crowd but maybe this area or region does not take the Cajun food as well. Maybe that's not their kind of thing, maybe they just want to have your classic like Italian diner, your American bar and grill. Cajun is like, oh, every now and then your business will not last unless you have a consistent enough uh, customer base to make it warranted. And something that helps with that is a little bit of rarity. So it could be beneficial that if you're like the only type of this business in your town or area, you kind of own the show like my yeah. one of my previous uh jobs was a barbecue restaurant and we're the only barbecue restaurant not only in our town but the only real one within like a 20 mile radius sure there are some other like smoke houses but one they're nowhere is good and two they're nowhere near as extensive and i'm not speaking from like an ego point. It's like oh yeah we're just so much better it's like i've sampled a lot of their other stuff it's like okay they might be better than us in this one aspect like Oh, this smokehouse has better rib tips than us. Everything else though, kind of trash. <laughs> Ooh, this sweet place- you... barbecue
1: sauce is hot. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my, God.
0: oh my God. The number of old crones that I have dealt with complaining about the <laughs> heat levels of our sweet sauce. I'm like, okay, just let me hear this out. Our sweet barbecue sauce is spicy to you. So when we make this entire vat of barbecue sauce, cause we made, everything from scratch, every single aspect, all the sauces, all the sides, everything was made from scratch at the barbecue restaurant. Within this entire 10 gallon batch of sauce we're making, there is one tablespoon of cayenne pepper. (laughs) Do you know how diluted that is?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Like the cayenne's almost in there a little bit more for coloring than actual flavor.
1: Right? I've had cayenne in my coffee before. Like there's an Aztec warrior drink that I like and yeah, it's spicy and it goes well with the milk, but yeah, I, I, I probably would not taste it in sweet barbecue sauce. (laughs) My palate is a little more refined than that. Like I like spice. (laughs) I need that heat.
0: (laughs) Oh, you would love the the shut up sauce that we made then. The shut up sauce was ours. So we had four different barbecue sauces. Um, Our sweet barbecue is what it sounds like the spicy barbecue is actually the sweet barbecue with just a little bit of the shut up sauce squirted into it and then mixed. So okay. just a little bit of oh. meat added. Yeah, then we had our Carolina hot, which was a completely different recipe. That one was like, totally vinegar based. Okay. It's a kind that when it's cooking, if you're within five feet of it and you breathe through your nostrils, you're gonna feel your sinuses just
1: <laughs> open
0: up and okay. your nose just drips. And then the shut up sauce was our smoked habanero based uh, barbecue sauce.
1: Yes. Is it like
0: the hottest sauce you're going to have? Absolutely not. But it was pretty damn hot. And most importantly, it actually had flavor. It tasted good.
1: That's that's yeah, that's my thing. It has that some flavor to it. Like I I, I could do hot, but if it's just hot for the sake of hot. okay, Yeah. Like this isn't
0: fucking da ones. bomb it's, it's not, from yeah. some <laughs> <from> hot ones.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> point taken. Point taken. Yeah, it, it, it's it's yeah. It, it has to have some flavor to it. um So yeah. All right,
0: um, we're we're kind of sidelining. We're moving a little bit far away from the bear for a second there. Yeah. Uh. Do
1: you have any other points to make on this? So it's really hard to talk about season one without delving into season two, which, by the way, we will be talking about season two in our next episode. Um, we're also hoping to get a some type of website or something open where you can leave us comments so the for our one viewer or our one listener. <laughs> you can leave us comments on like what you would like to hear from us or other points that maybe we missed for um season one of the bear
0: uh how about the fact that in season one i think this was actually a pretty interesting and powerful moment like carmy was very firm and adamant against richie about making spaghetti
1: oh god yeah he's
0: like why the fuck are we yes. making spaghetti in this Italian beef restaurant? It's not even a good recipe. Like, it's a fake <laughs> ass spaghetti recipe because people like the fucking spaghetti. Make the damn spaghetti. <laughs> and Carmen's like, is like no, we are not doing this. But they needed money. They were short on some resources. So when push came to what shove, did he he's call like, all
1: this sauce? He said, like, it's just a shit sauce. Like, I don't know what he called this sauce, but I was cracking up. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: But again, you have Richie being like, hey, we've always made the spaghetti. It's a hit. People love the spaghetti. Don't fuck with the system. And Carmi's like, the system is dumb. Why do we make spaghetti here? It's not even that good. It's just people will eat it
1: still. Eech. Yeah, that was tough. That was really tough. And um, again, we will talk about this more in season two, but there is a particular letter and i forgot that it it showed up so soon in season one richie finds a letter for carmen from michael his brother when Mm -hmm. he's like he's about to do the caulking and stuff on the wall because they had the health inspection it's fox he finds this he puts it on carmen's desk but then immediately takes it back and puts it behind back where it was. Like, why was that? Because that ends up being very important later on. That becomes very fucking key to that fucking sauce that we're talking about. Like,
0: Mm.
1: it it, it, it just struck me as, and I don't know if it's just something like maybe he thought, maybe Richie thought there would be something in that letter that would like trigger Carmen and be, um, maybe it wasn't a good letter. Maybe it was just like a goodbye letter. And maybe it hurt Carmen. Um, That's kind of what I was thinking. But I never like when you first before you know Richie in season two, you just think he's this asshole in season one. So like, you kind of wonder what what are his motives behind doing that?
0: I think it was actually a very I don't think it was a selfish like stance at all. I think it was very protective. Okay, because sure, Richie and Carmen go back and forth and are aggressive with each other all the time. But even during like some of the flashback scenes and whatnot, that was always kind of like their mo in a way it was always a little bit on the snippy side of things. But there was always like a true bond and love there because they grew up knowing each other. Richie was Michael's best friend. So Carmi, in Richie's eyes. That's why they always call each other cousin. They are family and family can and will be shitty to each other at times. But you're still family unless, you know, truly toxic shit happens. That's a whole different episode and discussion.
1: Right. Yes. It's okay to, it's okay to, yeah. So
0: is Richie pissed off at Carmen a lot of the time with what he's doing? Absolutely. But does he still love the guy and not want him to hurt potentially over something Michael did? Also true.
1: Yeah.
0: So I think that's why he thought better of, I should not put this on his desk. Because one, Carmen's going to be like, where did this come from? who put this here who knows about this and also thinking hmm as you were kind of explaining is this like a heartfelt like goodbye letter is this something that could really trigger and hurt carmen yeah and also looking like carmen is also already triggered as hell right now he's not in a good place right do i want to possibly stack on top of that right now if carmen finds this on his own volition well that's that's out of my control right
1: yes but yeah. I think
0: it was kind of actually more protective okay than anything else
1: it's kind of what I, how I saw it too which is is good yeah I I didn't want to think that he was being that devious especially since Michael is no. his best friend you know so he I think yeah I think he was trying to protect the family and Carmen and you know Hey, I'm not gonna put this letter on top of all these fucking bills that you have going on. Because, kind of, what are you doing? He was like, "Oh, nope, not gonna do that." You know. So, I, I think that was a that was a respectful moment for Richie um, that we kind of see. It might look devious to the outsider, but I, I yeah, I think his mm-hmm. motives are pure.
0: On, I point. think that actually was kind of one of the first scenes where we're actually gleaming into the character of Richie. Because, as you yeah. mentioned before, his interactions with his daughter. When it comes to his family, he is gentle. He is caring and wants to be there for them. And this was another aspect of him looking after who he presumes to be his family. And it's probably also why he is as firm as he is about not changing how things are in the restaurant, because this is how his family has been running this business. And changing that feels like he's losing his family again.
1: Ugh, that's so tough. It's such. Let's a tough... end on a
0: downer, right there. I know, yeah. So
1: everything's depressed, and Michael killed himself. Thank you for joining us. For
0: <laughs> everything is awful. <laughs>
1: oh man.
0: Right. Yeah, it, it,
1: it was a great season. Like I really, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad I continued watching it. Um, I can't wait for next episode because I know Derek, you are dying to talk about Forks. Um, season two, season two is going to be great. And we will discuss that in our next episode.
0: (laughs) I could do an entire podcast episode. Just about right, (laughs) manja baby. (laughs) Love it. So good. So good.
1: I love it. Yeah. Yeah. The we will dive more into that next time. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed themselves. If you definitely, if you have comments, reach out to either one of us. Um, Yeah, this has been fun. This has been a lot of fun. I love um, chatting with you, especially since you worked on the Chef Line. Like you understand that type of mentality. So this was the perfect first episode for us to talk about our experiences and to talk about this great show. This is a great show. They're up for a lot of Emmys right now. So good for them. (laughs) Yes.
0: All right. Thank you very much, everyone. You have a great day. We will see you next time on... Oh, no, not another one. Starring Sarah and Derek. That won't get tiring anytime soon.
1: (laughs) Thanks, guys.